I'm Ashley. I'm Jen. And I'm Sarah. And we are Unabridged, the podcast where teachers take on books. Join us each week for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content every week. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at unabridgedpod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 202. We are discussing favorite audiobooks today. Before we get started, I wanted to take just a minute to share about sponsorships. We are so thrilled to partner with some amazing companies that support book lovers and the bookish world. And if you are interested in becoming a partner, we support independent businesses of wide variety and would be happy to partner with you either through affiliation or with sponsorship and we can promote you on our website. To get started with that, you just go to our website to sign up and to see what's available. And that's at unabridgedpod.com partners. We really appreciate your support. Before we get started with our favorite audiobooks, our recent favorite audiobooks, we have some new recommendations for you. We want to share our book as check-in. Sarah, what are you reading? So I'm reading Girl Serpent Thorn by Melissa Basherdoust, and this is a retelling of the Sleeping Beauty fairy tale. It is about Soraya. She is a member of the royal family. And she is locked in a tower, in a tower in a castle. Basically, her family travels for every season to a different portion of the kingdom to watch over the people that are running that section of the kingdom. But she doesn't travel with her family because she is cursed. And her curse is that anything that she touches she kills basically. So she has to wear gloves and she's like this, she's hidden from the public because the royal family doesn't want their kingdom and the people to know because then that is a, that kind of shows that their family has been cursed by these demons that are present in the story. So she has to be kind of banished to this tower where she has like little tunnels and different things that she uses to get around the top of the castle where they live during one season of the year. So she doesn't get to see her family. She has a twin brother who is in line to be the next, it's not really a king. They don't say king, but the next in this royal family to rule over the whole kingdom. And so I'm not too far in, but it is really compelling. It is it like hooks me from the beginning. And I think because of our Underbridge Reading Challenge, I've been really interested to read some of these retellings because that's one of our categories. And I've read some excellent ones. And so I just keep <laughs> I just keep going. So <laughs> this is really good. It's a very different take. And I really like the way that Soraya's poison works is like when she gets worked up, her veins be run green. And it's just really interesting. It kind of reminds me a little of Poison Ivy from the DC comic uh-huh. world. And also it reminds me of Rogue from the X-Men. So I really like that twist. And I like that she is not sleeping but and not waiting for a prince. But she is, um, There's I like that twist. I like that she is watching her family from this outside perspective and like she yearns for them to be there and all that so it's it's just really interesting and I'm really excited to see how it turns out so that is Girl Serpent Thorn by Melissa Basherdoust 
I have been wanting to read that forever because the cover is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking too, is that I've seen such great things and mostly I've seen a beautiful cover, but I didn't know anything about it, Sarah. And I now I'm even more intrigued, but yeah, that one looks great. Your description also reminds me of the old movie Rappuccini's Daughter starring Vincent Price and the scientist is trying to protect his daughter so he makes her blood poison. But she turns purple and she turns the thing she kills purple and it's like these horrible B-movie special effects. (laughs) Anyway, it's quite amusing. It's a sad story, but it's a funny movie. (laughs) I'm finding with the fairy tales, the the retellings, like I'm really interested in some of the, the feminist take on these classics that are more like governed by the patriarchy so I really am liking it I really like this genre (laughs) I wish that we could do it all the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds great and I am with you that once I read one of them I was like oh I want to keep going with this it's it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of great ones out there Mm, I'm having a similar experience Sarah with the Greek retellings that I'm really loving all of the feminist versions that are coming out I'm really fascinated by those and since I've read several that I liked I just want to keep going because it's yeah. really it's really satisfying and then they kind of comment on each other in some ways and it's interesting to see how each one stands up so mm-hmm. it's me yeah. what about you Jen what are you reading so I am so excited to be reading Farrah Rush on the dating playbook I have had this on my list since we had her Farrah Rush on on the podcast back in episode 143 And this is a continuation of that book that she was talking about, The Boyfriend Project. So in that one, Samaya was the main character and it's a romance and it was focused on that romance. But one of the other things that started in that first book is this friendship between three women and the dating playbook focuses on a second friend. So this one is about Taylor and she is a personal trainer at the beginning of the book. She is undergoing, she is in extreme financial difficulty She is having a really hard time getting her business off the ground. She's tried a lot of strategies that have backfired and she is in desperate straits. So when she gets an offer from a former NFL player named Jamar, who wants to get back in the NFL after a knee injury, she is at first hesitant, but she jumps then ultimately up the opportunity because he's going to pay her a lot of money to be his personal trainer and to get him back in shape so he can get you know, try out for the NFL again. She is adamant from the beginning that they keep the relationship very professional in appearance as well, because she does not want people to think that she is his trainer only because they have a sexual or romantic relationship. And then something happens and she accidentally blurts out that she is his girlfriend. (laughs) And so I I just read that part. It's a really funny scene. And then she turns that into potentially a positive and she develops what she calls the dating playbook, which is they will pretend to be this power couple who then can take on Instagram and that will be a way to promote her business. So that that's where I left off, but she's a great character. She is really impulsive, hence the blurting out of something she didn't mean to say. And he is really sweet and very earnest about wanting to work hard to recapture the dream that he once had. We also find out that the reason he's so invested in his football career is because he had a best friend in high school named Silas and they played together and Silas died somehow. We don't know yet how. And he made a promise to his friend that 
he would become a successful football player. So there's some compelling backstory. Rashawn is a great writer. I just love the way she builds characters, layers, and these backstories are sort of revealed a little bit at a time. And yeah, it's really, really fun. I cannot wait to read that. I was going to say the same thing. And I also wanted to just say, if you haven't listened to our, our interview with Farrah Rashawn, she is a joy. So it was a great interview. We had such a great time talking with her. So you should definitely listen to that episode. Yeah, it's fun to read a book by an author you've talked with. And I keep picturing her saying things about Taylor. And I love the cover of that book. It is so sweet. I just love it. So that's on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Mine too. And I loved the friendship in the first one and just the laugh out loud moment. I feel like there was a lot of levity, even though there are a lot of really serious things happening in the book and that all worked really well. And I loved her character. So I will be excited to revisit her. Yeah, I think you're both going to love it. Ashley, what are you reading? One of the books that I am reading, both Sarah and Jen have talked about, but it's been a while. And this is Alicia Rye's First Comes Like. And I just started this one. I had access to the audio thanks to Libro FM and have been wanting to read it because both of them said it was great and that it was just a lot of fun to read. And I haven't done very much. I'm just going to share the opening scene because I felt like it really got my attention and gave me a good insight into some of what is coming. But when we first start the story, Gia is the main character. Oh, and I should say that there are three books in this series, but my understanding from you all and from other people is that it does not matter. They're companion pieces, so it doesn't matter if you read them out of order. This is my first of Alicia Rise, and I'm really excited to start her work. So we see Gia and she is at a party and we find out pretty quickly that she is, she has, she has some popularity and some notoriety because she is a beauty expert. And so she has like Instagram fame and kind of just like social media fame. And so people recognize her and she is an influencer but then she's kind of got this interesting fame angle but she's at this party and she is really interested to she's gotten all dressed up and you can tell that she is so excited to meet this person dave and he is at the party and so she's kind of building up her confidence and there's just some interesting scenes leading up to that but basically you get to this moment where she goes to talk with him and in her mind he is dying to meet her and she has gotten access to this party as a way to make that happen and she's expecting an unbelievably warm reception because they have been messaging a lot on social media and normally she's not very interested in that kind of thing but he had the verified account and everything so she felt like when he reached out and then they had this great connection and this great chemistry that that was really worthwhile to pursue So she goes up to him and gets ready to talk with him and he has no idea who she is and she's horrified. And then quickly you see Dave's perspective on it. And I just thought all of that was really rich. So you get this glimpse into her. She's a great character and you really hurt for her because again, she has every reason to think that he has this ongoing internet relationship with her and that he's going to be so thrilled to meet her in person. And then he just is completely astounded by who she is and is trying to get her to explain and of course she's devastated so she doesn't want to explain who she is and then we see him and he is in a kind of tenuous position with his 
career and is trying to help his family to have some success. So he is famous and he's had a lot of Bollywood success, but his family doesn't have the security, the financial security that people perceive them to have. And so he has made this move to America. He's trying to get things settled. And we get a really interesting glimpse into his life with his niece right away and how he's trying to care for her. He's lost his brother. He's trying to take care of the niece. And so he has a lot going on. And we see that and he keeps thinking about this mystery woman who was so gorgeous and so amazing, but who also was clearly furious at him and devastated <laughs> for reasons he can't understand. So that's where I am. So like a great premise, great characters. I have found it really compelling to start with. I'm loving the audio and I can't wait to get back and see what happens next. So again, that is Alicia Rise, First Comes Like. I'm so excited that you're starting her work. I just love her books. And she has all these linked series as well. And so I think we've talked before about how fun romance series can be. So like Farrah Roshan. So yeah, I, I can't wait for you to read that and then read the other two in that trilogy. Yes, I plan to be continuing on with her work. So I'm excited to read more of it. But it was really fun. I was looking for something that I could do while setting up my bullet journal for the next month. And um, I, you know, just wanted to dive into something and that one really grabbed my attention. So, well, speaking of listening to books, we wanted to share. <laughs> we wanted Nice to segue. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be so subtle and there it is. So yes, I'm going to segue us into talking about audiobooks. All of us use audiobooks as a way to get through a lot more reading. And we've talked on lots of episodes about how that can be a really different reading experience from reading print books, but it also can be really, sometimes it really enhances a book and sometimes it's not the right fit and it's actually harder than if it were, if you were reading it on print. So we just wanted to share some that have been winners for us because certainly when we're choosing audiobooks, just like I just said about First Comes Like, if I know other people have enjoyed the audio experience, I'm more likely to listen to the book. So we wanted to give you some recent ones that we have enjoyed for that reason, because um, we know that we're all always looking for audio recommendations and things that have worked for people. And we are going to share a few with you. So Jen, do you want to share one that you have selected? Sure. So... <laughs> I feel like I have some backstory with this one. So the one I'm recommending is Frank Herbert's Dune. And I feel like this is one I have known about for a really long time. Of course, it was written in, I think, the 60s. And it has been one of those sort of pillars of sci-fi and fantasy reading that I just, I don't know what it was. Every time I looked at the cover and at the length of the book, and there are six books in the series, I was just never ready to dive in. But last year, to start the year with my students, I always have them go around the room and tell me their name and tell me a favorite book. And so many of my students mentioned Dune, which automatically put it on my radar again. And then, of course, the new adaptation is coming out. And that trailer, if you have not watched it, looks amazing. But this is one that I definitely wanted to read the source material first. So... I've been trying to gear up to pick up the book in print, and then I saw on Libby that the audio was available. Now, it's 20 hours. It is long. And sometimes that sci-fi world building or fantasy world building, if it's really complicated, can be tough for me on audio. Because I've talked before, you know, I'm just a better reader with my eyes and with my ears, but I decided to give it a try. And I 
loved it. I'm not saying I picked up on every single subtlety of the book, but the production values are amazing. They have a lot of different voice actors and it is acting. It, they are bringing these characters to life. It explains a lot about the backstory. I would say there are multiple points of view represented, but I would say that the protagonist of the book is Paul Atreides. And the book begins when he is a teenager and he is moving with his dad and his mom and they are not married. She is his concubine, basically consort. And he can't marry her because he has to leave it open that he might marry someone as a political connection from another kingdom. But they are moving to a new planet where his dad is hoping to I call him his dad. Like it's his modern story. He's a Duke. Like it's his father. They are moving to this new planet to potentially get some more power and some more connections. But the planet they're moving to is this desert planet. And the one thing it has that everyone wants is this drug called spice that they mine out of the desert. And it attracts people because they want this drug that alters your consciousness, but also makes you smarter. And these gigantic sandworms that like <laughs> eat the spice. So that's a problem. And there's this whole storyline that Paul's mother, Jessica, is part of this mysterious society of people. It's a matriarchal society. And they, their consciousness is so elevated that they can like sense other people's thoughts and feelings they can use their voices to alter other people's actions. It's kind of like the force in star Wars. That's what I kept thinking about. And Jessica, even though Jessica is supposed to train a daughter, she does not have a daughter and she has sort of gone outside of expectations and trained her son in these practices, skills. I don't know what you want to call them. So that's the beginning. It is very complex. And I, I decided early on not to go into the full summary of this book to spare you all the complexities of the world building, but it's just really compelling. So there's some great character building. There's some great generational conflict. It definitely has a lot to say about colonialism. There's a lot of symbolic colonialism happening on this planet. Eventually we see the indigenous people of the planet and that becomes a really important part of the storyline. There are fight scenes, there's action, there's adventure, there's romance. It's just one of those books. I mean, it's 20 hours, so it should have a lot of those things, but it's <laughs> one of those books that has everything. I have not gotten book two yet. I do eventually plan to read the rest of the series. It may be a little while because I can't always commit to an audiobook that's quite that long. <laughs> but I would really recommend if you have not read the series or if, if you have read the book, I think the audio experience is fantastic. It uses music really well. It has sound effects. It, it is like a multimedia experience beyond just the fact that it's on audio. So yeah, that is Frank Herbert's. Wow, Jen, I have never approached that one for all the reasons you described. <laughs> but but I, will, I will say that, I mean, my dad absolutely loves that book. It was certainly iconic for my family when I was younger. And so it is desirable to listen to it on audio because I know that it's a cultural touchstone, but also that like in my family, my dad and my sister really loved it. And so I would be interested to listen. Who knew? Yeah, I'd love to know what you think. If you decide to give it a try, I'll be really interested. That is long, but you know, I'll just listen super fast. So that's right. <laughs> I have finally worked up to being able to listen to almost everything at 1.5 speed. 
<laughs> and that's as fast as I can go. So I did listen to it at 1.5 and I feel very proud. You know, that's an accomplishment for me. I've not yet reached Ashley Speed's of audio. <laughs> Ashley Speed is chipmunk speed. It's like, it is. <laughs> So my daughter has gotten really interested, my oldest child has gotten really interested in audiobooks. And so now sometimes I'll hear hers playing and oh my gosh, they are so slow. I just can't, uh-huh. I, can't I can't get out over it because I'm just not used to hearing them that way anymore. And it does <laughs> sound, it really does sound like somebody isn't like on slow motion or whatever. And it's just more, it's normal speed. I just yeah. have gotten used to a lot faster. So anyway. <laughs> I do think that some of the effects, I know that the ones that have music and stuff, that is a problem when you listen really fast. So the voices, it, I don't think it impacts your experience, but if there are sound effects and stuff, that would be a reason to slow it down. What about you, Sarah? What's your recommendation? So I'm going to recommend Jennifer Ryan's The Kitchen Front. I I wrote a review for this book on our on Unabridged website. I loved this book so much. It combines everything I love strong female leads, food, recipes. And I just, it was one of those books I wanted to hug at the end. But I did listen on listen to it on audio, but I also have the hardback copy thanks to Random House. And I I just loved it. The, the audio was great. The narrator, she's British. So she brings that to the table because I really like, since it's set in Britain during World War II, I like that she has the British accent. It just helped me be in the story even more. The, the narrator is Jasmine Blackborough and she's excellent. This story is told in alternating perspectives between four women. It is basically addressing the women. The women are actually affected by the war in different ways, but it really focuses on the rationing of food that happened in during World War II. But then it it was astounding, like if you read the author's note at the end, that this went into the 50s. I mean, like it was a long time that they were rationing food long after the war had concluded. So there are four women. First, there's Audrey. She is a mom who's raising three boys on her own after her husband is killed during the war. And she is basically running a pie business out of her home to support herself and her sons. Her sister is Gwendolyn, and she's the second perspective. They're estranged. She's married to this rich businessman who is a big jerk. (laughs) And (laughs) she is a representative for the Ministry of the War, and she does basically demonstrations and ho- demonstrations to show women how to use the rations that they're provided in their home cooking. Then there is Nell, who is a maid in Gwendolyn's Manor. She is the assistant to the head cook, and she is younger. And so that's the third perspective. And then lastly, Zelda is a trained chef like that has been used to um, working in really like upscale restaurants but because she's a woman she (laughs) she is let go from a restaurant and she there's an entanglement with another chef that she's kind of trying to avoid and she comes to this small village where all these women live all the perspectives are alternating and they are all competing in this competition to be a co-host of the kitchen front radio program, which normally is hosted by a man, but they gasp 
felt like they needed a woman's perspective <laughs> since they're the ones doing the cooking because he is talking about making use of rations, but he is not the one, he does not cook. So, so that's kind of where that, that's kind of the premise of the story. They are competing with each other to become the co-host of this kitchen front radio show. And this book is just lovely. It, I mean, it is, it has so many things in it that I just have not read in World War II historical fiction before. I really loved all this, all the things about these women and their different lives. And then the audio, like I said, just brought it to life for me. So I think it is an excellent book. I think the audio is excellent, but I think you would also enjoy it if you read it in the hardcover. It is just really good. Jennifer Ryan has written a lot of really popular books. She wrote The Chilbury Ladies Choir. So, I mean, that's a really well-known popular book, but this one, I just loved it. So that is Jennifer Ryan's The Kitchen Front. I think that sounds so amazing, Sarah. And I love thinking about that one on audio specifically. It is really good. I mean, I have not... I mean, I think it's been very popular and I have not heard anybody say anything bad about it. It's just, I mean, it just shows a lot of different perspectives and I really appreciated that from a lot of different social classes and it shows a lot of struggle, but it's just hopeful and it's just so good. I love it. <laughs> it's so nice to get another perspective or a different perspective on World War II also. Yeah, because I was, I kind of was putting it to the bottom of the pile because I'm just, sometimes I don't love that. I don't, I'm not a huge historical fiction for one thing. And then second, sometimes I don't want every historical fiction I read to be World War II historical fiction, but something about the food port element and like then the recipes in the, in the book and all that stuff. I was like, I'm just going to give it a try. And I mean, once Mm -hmm. I started it, I could not stop listening. Yeah. I'll definitely have to check that one out. Ashley, what is your pick for audiobook? So I listen to a lot on audio and I've shared before how sometimes I love it and other times it's just a way for me to read more books. And I love reading. So it's not that I don't enjoy reading, but I just am still at a place in my life where it's really hard for me to read except at night before bed. So I always do that. But if that's the only time that I'm reading, then I'm not getting through the quantity of books that I want to read in a month. And so sometimes listening is, I hate to use the word chore, but it is something that I do because I feel like I want to make sure that I'm reading books. But so I was trying to think about there have been some that have stood out to me because even though sometimes I feel that way, I did love the listening experience. And so I'm going to share one of them. And it was hard to choose because of that, because I do think that, again, there are lots to listen to that were not particularly notable, but then there are some that when you finish listening, you're like, oh, wow, that was really amazing. I mean, one that we shared recently, just as I mentioned, is Jacqueline Woodson's Right at the Bone. That I, I didn't listen to the whole thing because I also did some reading, but that was a phenomenal listening experience. So I just wanted to mention that that's one that has a full cast um, and that I think really stands out. But the one that I chose for today is Yah Jesse's Transcendent Kingdom. And this one is part of why I chose it is because it's narrated by Bonnie Turpin. And mm, all three that. of us have shared <laughs> about what a phenomenal narrator she is. And so I think one thing that I just wanted to say is that when you're looking for audiobooks, it is really effective to find narrators you love and to listen to the books that they have narrated. And so I think that 
I would have, I would have read Yajessi's book no matter what. But when I saw that it was Bonnie Turpin and I, this one, I had access to things to Libro FM, but also because it was her, I did listen, whereas I might've preferred to read it or chosen to read it otherwise, but I'm so glad I listened. So Yajessi also wrote Homegoing, which I absolutely loved, very different in scope, but another phenomenal book. And I will read everything that Yajessi writes. I just think she's brilliant, but this one focuses on Gifty. She is a neuroscientist and she is studying, a lot of it looks at her, the ins and outs of her in the lab with her mice, doing all of these studies of the mice. And it's really exploring the nature of addiction. And I think that part of what I loved about the narration and the audio experience is that a lot of the book is introspective and it's really focused on Gifty herself and her thought processes about the world and how those change over the course of her life. And so it's just a great one for audio because I think that you're getting this in-depth, inside look at a single person. And I loved hearing her voice and I felt like I really knew her and kind of walked with her on her journey because of the audio experience. So I just thought it was a phenomenal audio experience. But just to tell you a little bit more about the book, we find out pretty early on that she is in America. Her mom is also in America, but they are from Ghana. And we also know that her dad and her brother are no longer in the picture, but we don't exactly know why. And so that happens early on and you can see that we're in the present time and her mom is having a lot of trouble she and her mom are not in the same place in america and so she gets contacted as an adult she needs to go home and help her mom and so we see that early on happening and having and her mom struggling with some mental health issues and then we get the backstory and the unpacking of what leads to this moment of her as a scientist in the lab doing the day in and day out work of figuring out addiction and what makes it happen in the brain. And I just thought all of it was so fascinating. I felt like Jesse masterfully handles the exploration of addiction in a way that is really eye-opening. It made me think a lot of, we've talked a lot about Beth Macy's Dope Sick on here, and this one certainly is fiction instead, but it, it, it was eye-opening in a similar way for me and just looking at addiction in a very scientific and factual way and trying to figure out what makes it happen. And so I thought all of that was really interesting. And then I also loved the exploration of culture and how we bring our culture with us and how that culture changes as we get into a new environment. So we see that for her, but also for her mom as her mom, she lives in the South. And so there's this, this, this like really interesting combination of her in a rural area of Alabama, the the parent and them growing up there. And then, you know, what that's like in an area where they're not used to many people who come from other countries and they don't necessarily have a whole lot of experience with people who, who were born somewhere else who kind of bring a culture with them. I just thought all of that was really richly done. So I absolutely loved it. And then, like I said, I think the audio was so great because of the really focused exploration of Gifty and her as a character. So that's Yah Jesse's Transcendent Kingdom. And it would it would be great on print, but I absolutely love the audio. I love that book so much. And I did read it in print. So that kind of makes me want to go back and listen to Bonnie Turpin because yes, I think she elevates anything she reads. That's been on my list for so long. 
Yeah, I think you would love it, Sarah. And I, th I think, I mean, some of the, what, what we talked about earlier about how books kind of comment on each other or comment on a topic in an interesting way. I felt like this did that of just that exploration of identity and also about how our brains work and how we do and don't have control over that. I thought all of that was just really interesting. And yeah, the only thing it is very, her prose is so beautiful and it's very quotable and that is painful for me with audio. I will say that's one time that I do slow it down and I will replay something like 20 times to copy the quote, you know, because uh -huh. there, are just, <laughs> there are times I'm like, I have got to write that thing down. So it's tedious when you're listening, but sometimes I do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we would love to hear what you recommend for audiobooks. We're always looking for ones that people have listened to and have enjoyed that audio experience. But before we wrap up today, we wanted to share our Give Me One. This one is one author you'd write a letter to and who would write back. And this comes from one of our listeners, Jody, who's also a longtime friend of Jen's. Yay! <laughs> Sarah, what is your pick? I feel like this is probably anticlimactic if you listen to the podcast, <laughs> but mine would be John Green because I love him and I think he's very interesting and I'm socially awkward. So I like in the, in the parentheses with this one, because it's awkward to, to have dinner or something with an author, but I would love, to, I love to write and I'm much better in writing than in person. So I would love to write him a letter and be his pen pal. So John Green, if you're listening, let's have you pen pals. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great pick. And yes, I should say that the, the whole thing was an author you'd write a letter to and who would write back because having lunch with said author would just be awkward because you don't actually know them. So yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> to give the context, there. I agree that that would be very uncomfortable. Jen, what's your pick? So I'm picking Stephen King. And I will just say realistically, he probably would not write back because, you know, he's really famous. And I imagine he gets a lot of letters, but I don't care. I so I am rereading on writing his book on writing a memoir of the craft because I'm teaching it with my students. And it has been since I was in the classroom before. So it's been five plus years since I've read it. But up until then, I read it every year with my students. So I've probably read this one 10 or 15 times and diving back into it has just reminded me of what I love about Stephen King's work, that he loves writing so much and is so grateful for reading and for the stories that have gotten him through experiences. And I just always love having that conversation with my students, of course, about writing, but also about finding the thing that you love and being grateful for it. He loves his family. So yeah, I love Stephen King's books. But I also love just his outlook on life and on and his gratitude for the life he's been given. And so I would love to write him a letter and just tell him how much he's meant to me over the years and how much he means to my students. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love his work, too, Jen. But I agree that it is thinking about people who's it's not just that you love their writing, but also their attitude toward life. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ashley? So one person that I would definitely love to write a letter to and would also love to hear from is Nicola Yoon. I just admire her so much. I've talked about her books before. I've read all of three of the ones that she has out. And I think what I really appreciate about each of them is that she has these really uplifting stories that are fun and romantic 
and that also look at the hard parts of life. And I think she does that really well. So I just admire the way that she approaches being a teenager and the way that she looks at how some parts of life are really, really tough and that there aren't easy answers, but that we can still have great relationships and carry carry each other through that. And I think she does that really well. So I, yeah, similarly to what you all said, I just really admire her. I would love to say that to her, that I just think so much of, of her perspective and especially the way that she's writing books for teens who I think need to hear those stories and see them in the world. So, yeah. It's a great answer. She's so wonderful. And we've talked before about she and David Yoon are just, they just Uh come across as being these really amazing people who also have a really sweet relationship. So all that's great. (laughs) Well, thank you all so much for listening today. We would love to hear who you recommend as far as audiobooks, but we also would love to hear who you would write a letter to and who would write back. You can let us know that on our Give Me One post at Underbridge Pod on social media. And as I said in the beginning, if you're looking to partner with us, we are so interested in supporting other businesses and developing those relationships. And you can find out more at underbridgepod.com slash partners. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.